Hey, everybody. Welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. As always, great show for you today. We have Cassandra Farrington, who's the founder of MJ Biz Daily, uh, as well as MJ Biz Conference, which is coming up uh, in November, just in a couple weeks in Vegas. It is the premier cannabis business conference. So I asked her a lot of questions about sort of the economics of the conference, how she puts together content and sponsors, the inner workings of how to put together this massive, massive event that everyone is going to. Uh, she's been nice enough to give us a discount code, investing in cannabis 50, uh, investing in cannabis 50. If you want to buy a ticket, there's still some left. Um, and I ask her for someone new getting into the industry or somebody that, that is interested in cannabis, why should they come? Her answer is really great. It's a great episode. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. All right, Cassandra, thanks so much for being with us. Really nice to have you. I think we last met on stage at Elevate, which was about a year ago now, and I had a chance to have you on the panel. But welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Really happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, MJ Biz Daily is a name that a lot of people know, big fixture in the cannabis industry. But I'd love to ask founders uh, the way that they describe their business. So how would you describe what, uh, what MJ Biz Daily is? I see MJ Biz Daily as effectively the Wall Street Journal resource for the cannabis space. We are those daily business pages from your local newspaper focused on what's happening in the cannabis space, um, helping the organizations, the entrepreneurs, the executives, the people who finance the companies as well, helping those people find their footing and develop great business strategies for this really exciting and growing marketplace. Got it. And give me some sort of idea of the of the size, of the scale uh, of the outlet today. So we have about 40,000 or so daily readers to our newsletter. Um, and that's, you know, just go to mjbizdaily.com and you can sign up to get all of the daily news delivered straight to your inbox or whatever mobile device you prefer. Um, and then our events, of course, have grown significantly over the last several years. We are looking next month in, or this month now in November at having um, north of 14, 15,000 people join us in Las Vegas for the for the gathering at MJ BizCon. So it's got quite a lot of scope and reach and, and breadth now as the industry has continued to grow. Yeah, to say the event side has grown is a, a drastic understatement. Um, it is the go-to cannabis conference today. I mean, maybe not on the consumption side, like a, um, you know, a High Times Cannabis Cup or something like that, but certainly on the biz, business side, which is what your intention was, it, it is the go-to. Um, how does it feel to kind of be in the in the number one spot? I mean, what what does that mean to you? I well, personally, it's very gratifying. Of course, that I have been able to you know, get my arms around this and and help my team do so as well, and be able to put together this premier event that has become, as you said, Brandon, the go to place for business activity, and you know that event that everybody who is a serious player in the cannabis space has to be at. Um, that's a that's a very exciting thing. It's also one of the things I love most about it is seeing that industry come together each and every year, especially at the big fall show in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. From where we started this six years ago, from a very funky facility in Denver, downtown in Denver, where you know there were maybe 400 people there, to where we're going to have, like I said, north of 14 or 15,000 people this year. As you 
as I have watched that progression year after year, walking into that show every fall, I am just amazed at what this industry has created, what we collectively have defined and, and scoped out and are making incredible inroads on. And in the beginning, were they stoners? Were they people looking for, uh, like, you know, what, what was kind of the makeup of the, of the original conference? Yeah, that's a great question. So from the get-go, MJ Biz Daily has been 100% focused on the business side of the industry. From when we launched this, we took this from the mindset of this is legal in some places. And given that it is legal in some places, we are going to help you run your businesses better, understand the business landscape so you can make great decisions as you try to grow your own business. So even at that very first conference, it was the people who were interested in actually creating and forging a business path forward in this industry. At that first event, absolutely, there was a heavy representation, a heavy percentage of those people were advocates and, and people who had been very active on the legalization movements who were also looking to move forward in business. And as the event has grown, we've seen more and more and more pure play business people come in uh, as that issue has advanced. And in a way, that's what's helping those advocates continue to move their question forward because as we create this safe legal delivery of cannabis to consumers who are free thinking adults to make their own choices, everybody's getting it that the sky isn't falling. And in fact, that there are quite a few benefits to this industry. And was there sort of a moment in that original conference? I've, I've put on conferences before. Uh, I, I want to get into sort of the nuts and bolts of that a little bit. But was there a moment where you thought to yourself, you know, this is going to work. The, we're going to do another one and this is adding real value um, or I'm making money here. You know, was, the, was there a moment where you knew that this was going to be a big thing? Um the, that moment was at that first conference, you know, as we stood kind of there and, and this was keep in mind, we held that first conference serendipitously kind of by chance, kind of by choice, just a few days after the legalization votes in Colorado, we were holding this event in Denver and in Washington. So there was such a feeling of celebration. It's like, Hey, this community has gotten this together and we've done it. We had a lot of walk-ups, people who were very interested now that this was legal to just suddenly understand what is this going to be and how how might I want to get involved with this industry? Um, there was just, there were so many people who had come together from around the country to celebrate that fact that we had just passed these legalization bills. They were all, and they were all just focused on business. And one person on that show floor, I remember overhearing a comment, somebody saying something like, it feels like a cannabis wedding because it's the cannabis crowd, but everybody's in suits. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, it's that sort of mindset where people started to get it, that this is an industry, can be an industry. Let's go make that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay. Let's talk a little bit about this year's conference. Uh, what are you really excited for? Speakers, anything special that's going on? You know, what, what's different about this year? Oh boy, the size and scope every year is absolutely one of the things to really keep an eye out for. You know, how many people actually are going to be there and, and how many exhibiting companies and the the sophistication of those exhibiting companies and the things that they have on display. Those are all things that I really love to pay attention to when I, when I am at MJ BizCon because that really is that that mile marker 
in the development of the industry year over year. Um, Speaker-wise, I'm very excited about our lineup every time. Um, this year is no exception. You know, on the keynote stage, we have George Blankenship, who is a innovator, a business innovator throughout his entire career. He's been with Apple and Tesla and The Gap, and specifically in in retail environments. And he's going to be sharing. Um, his own experiences and his own insights into how the marijuana industry as a whole and individual businesses can maintain a forward-thinking and innovative mindset as this industry does go mainstream. Um, another one I'm really excited for, Gene Sullivan, who is a very noted dot-com investor and who came through the dot-bust, uh, standing on her feet and all that. She's now very active in the cannabis space, and I'm excited to hear her insights about the, what, the parallels as we see this huge influx of investment coming into the cannabis space now, what are the lessons that we should be carrying over from the dot-com bust that could potentially play here? Yeah, no, super interesting and awesome to get sort of the outside perspective always uh, in, in the cannabis industry. That's one of the areas that I get the most excited about. Um, I think a lot of people are, um, MJ Biz, you talk about businesses, other businesses a lot. I think a lot of people, including myself, are interested in the business of MJ Biz. Um, and, you know, how does this all come together? I mean, how do you pick speakers? How do you help them decide what to say? You know, take us through that process a little bit of, of kind of booking the, the content. So the way that we go about the conference programming, it comes 100% from our editorial staff. With MJ Biz Daily and the work we do every day, every month in the magazine, our editors, we have a team of journalists um, that are out there every single day listening to the industry, reporting back on the business issues, and understanding what are the emerging issues for this for this space. They talk to so many people every single day and so keep a very good pulse on that. And then we translate that into conference content, that their insights into what are the emerging issues, what are the big pain points, what do we hear people saying, if you could figure out how to do X, you know, they're asking that question. When they're interviewing somebody for something else, they're just asking kind of blue sky questions and hearing the pulse of the industry. And then we're able to uh, to go out and find people to speak directly to those issues um, and, and help them really put together great content that is free of promotion and that sort of thing. That has always been one of the hallmarks of MJ Biz content, both whether it's online or um, in the magazine or on stage. Um, that editorial space, that content space is sacred and does not cross over with our sponsors or, or anybody else. And so it comes out really well every single time. You know, that, that it's very valuable information that's on point that is speaking directly to what the current needs of the industry are. So I think to put it bluntly, you can't buy your way on stage. You cannot. Absolutely not. Yeah. And there have been plenty of people who, I mean, and, and it's, it's understandable. There are a lot of conferences, even in the cannabis space that have that model and it's a perfectly acceptable model if that's what you're looking for. Um, and that, and that can indeed be a successful business model for an events company and a, and a media company, but it's not our play. We have always felt very strongly that we are here to help the industry achieve everything that it can achieve. And we can do that best by remaining independent and unbiased and free from sponsor influence in terms of our content. 
But it must make conversations uh, with exhibitors, with sponsors, a little more challenging. Uh, how do you sort of walk that line and say, hey, we'd love to have you there. We'd love to have you support, but you're just kind of not interesting enough for the stage. <laughs> how, do, how does that work? <laughs> does that conversation go? Well, um, we do. It is worth noting that a lot of the um, top companies in the industry who have a lot of the top talent and a lot of the top ideas and a lot of the forward thinking in the industry are also our exhibitors, right? Those, those populations do overlap. So I don't want to make it sound like we are, we don't have any of our exhibitors ever on stage that does happen. But those decisions are made completely independently from whether or not they are exhibiting. As far as directly to your question, it, we do, um, everything we can to help people feel welcomed and appreciated and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, if it's not going to make the agenda, it's not going to make the agenda. And we have that, those have been, we have had some uncomfortable conversations and, you know, some pushback and things like that, but it's much easier as long as you keep a very bright line about that. You know, as soon as you slip once, then, then you're kind of game over on that. But we have consistently had that message throughout. It's the way we were founded um, and the way that we have always operated. Got it. Um, okay, let's talk specifically about sort of exhibitors and uh, just a role play here a bit. Let's say I'm a fledgling startup and I'm trying to get the word out and, and MJ Biz Conference is a massive platform and I'm thinking about you know buying a table in the exhibitor hall. Uh, what's kind of the, the pitch today? I mean, it has to be so crowded. There's so much noise happening in that room. Uh, you know, what can an exhibitor expect? And, and, you know, what's kind of the ROI from that? Is there a way that you kind of measure success within the, the demo or exhibitor hall? Yeah. So that's a really great question. The, each exhibitor walking onto that show floor and setting up their booth has a different end goal. And the best thing that they can do to get the most out of the show is really understand as an exhibitor, what am I hoping to accomplish from the next three days of people walking by my booth? And that could be different for a high-end lighting project or a product or a very expensive extraction equipment manufacturer than it could be for a vape pen company. Those are very different types of exhibitors who are going to end up with very different types of goals. So know your goal going in and then gear your staff who are working the booth with you and your materials and everything else that you're doing around the show to support that goal. And in fact, this year we have um, launched a series of exhibitor education videos. Those can be found at mjbizcon.com under the exhibitor tab where we are, our sales team gives exactly this type of advice. You know, this is, these are the ways you can get the most out of your exhibiting activity. Um, this is the, make sure you're prepared for X, Y, and Z, bring plenty of business cards or however you want to make sure you get your word out, those sorts of things. And so th those, that's a great resource for our exhibitors this year. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good answer. Um, do you have any sort of numbers that you publish or, or give to prospective exhibitors about like, you know, conversion rates or what other kind of case studies or success stories from others have looked like? Yeah, well, again, that that gets back directly to how an exhibitor approaches the show. Um, one exhibitor may walk on that show floor with the goal of getting 10 really solid leads, and that 10 is 
out of those 15,000 people, they're looking for the 10. And the way that they approach that, and if they convert that 10, they are going to have an incredibly successful show. On the other end of the spectrum, like I said, for the vape pen manufacturers, they may be looking to move 15,000 vape pen, vape pens through the, the course of this three-day event um, and come up with, you know, 50 different wholesalers that they want to be working with. That's a very different goal. So it's hard to translate those different goals and approaches that a different exhibitor might be taking into, you know, overarching uh, results from the show. It's yep. just so dependent yep. on the specific exhibitor. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so this tremendous kind of scale sounds like a lot of work. Uh, and I know we're only a couple of weeks away here. What kind of team do you have supporting you? You talked about the editorial team that helps you with the content and whatnot, but just like the blocking and tackling of this, the selling of sponsorships and exhibitors, how, how big is the team today? We, MJ Biz Daily now, we are, uh, we ha number 31 started today. In fact, we uh, added a resource to our sales team, somebody else to help out on that exhibitor side and on the magazine sales and not just on making the sales, but that whole team also supports all of those uh, clients that we have and making sure that they're really satisfied with the experience that they have working with our brand. Our editorial team um, is north of 10 people now, churning out all of that great content that you guys see every day, the conference material, the magazine that comes out 10 times a year now. There And then we also have all of our support structure from our marketing team to our administrative side and, of course, our event operations team. Um, we've got two full-time people hiring a third, and then we have a literal army of temp, temp workers and security and registration personnel, um, the entire uh, group over at Freeman, who is our general services contractor. Yeah, they have their own whole army of people who help us bring all of these people into the exhibit hall, build it up in about 24 hours, have this amazing show and then knock it all down again and, and send it right back out the door. But it takes, it certainly takes an army to make all that happen. Yeah. Wow. Quite, quite the operation there. Um, what does that leave? Uh, what does your day to day look like leading up to a, a conference like this? I mean, it sounds like you, you've installed great people uh, sort of in, in every segment of the business, but you know, wh what do you see your role is today? Right now in these, you know, two to three, four weeks leading up to the show, I'm just doing whatever I can to support my team. Um, there are a lot of people who are uh, getting to the end of their, you know, just end of their not being able to get everything done in the in the time that they have allotted to them. So I help them pick up whatever needs to get done, um, giving them advice, helping them um, just redirect, reprioritize, whatever that sort of stuff is needed. I also do have um, some uh, several speaking roles at the event. So mm -hmm. making sure that everything's all set for those and helping the team bring all that stuff together. Um, and then, you know, doing interviews like this one and, and helping people understand how to get the most out of this show and uh, making sure that everybody's as prepared as possible across the industry. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. those are the kinds of things that I'm super what, busy um what parts of that do you enjoy the most? You know, if you had to focus on one side. Oh, that's a do? great question. I truly love leading my team. Absolutely. I, I am so proud of what we've been able to accomplish. Uh, and uh, that for me, the whole reason I am an entrepreneur in the first place and, and the whole idea back when my business partner and I started 
what the forerunners even of what we eventually launched into the cannabis space, we set out to create business to business information resources that helped people do their jobs better and run their businesses better. And, and seeing what MJ Biz Daily has been able to accomplish in terms of helping this industry coalesce, get its feet under it, have the right kind of content and business information and networking and connections and insights that has helped this industry grow, that is such a proud accomplishment for me. And, and so engaging with those types of activities is what I love most. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's super exciting and and really rewarding. It, it sounds like. Um, so this show is called Investing in Cannabis. I know from speaking with you uh, before that you've taken no investment. Uh, you've taken no outside investment, and immediately what that says to me is you guys must make plenty of money that that you don't need to raise any money. Um, Give us some idea of the scale. I don't know what you publish or what you're comfortable talking about, but, you know, revenue or even just like a percentage of the business, you know, how, how much of a part of the business is the, is the conferences versus um, the magazine versus online, you know, however way you want to answer that question. Sure. You know, sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah. So you know, we've been in the ink lists, Inc. 500, Inc. 5000 for the last couple of years. And you know, our last year revenues were $10 million. And a, a huge percentage of that does come from the events side of the business. Uh, it's just the way that that things work out while that while we um, we do make money from the magazine and we do make money from you know fact books and and other premium product offerings things like that, um, just the economics of a show, especially one that is growing as quickly as MJ BizCon is, it, it it's always going to be the elephant in the room, um, which is great. It's also scary, you know, because you kind of live and die by four days in, in November, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, um, and that's the nature of, of the show industry, of the events industry. Um, and the way that you diversify that is by um, adding additional content resources around that, that continue to um, provide other sources of revenue. Um, and then you also continue to expand your shows as effectively as possible. So of that 10 million, 80% of the conference, 70% of the conference, give us a, give us a round number. Yeah, it's, it's in the, it's up in that range. Um, it's even a little bit higher than that, probably closer to about 90% okay. Um, okay. of our overall revenues come from, come from the conference. Got it. And that pays a lot of the bills around here. I mean, I'm, I'm not, not mincing words about that. You know, if yeah. it, without that event, you know, it would be hard to put out all the great content that we're able to put out. Um, and that, but in turn, that great content helps engage the audience that feeds the attendance and the exhibitors at the event and makes that such a successful and, and productive four days for the entire industry. Got it. So this is a very big four days for you. That's it's a not, huge four days. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you do any others? Have you considered doing more conferences? It seems like you could do another one, maybe one other time a year and maybe not double that revenue, but make a sure. lot more. Yeah. yeah, no, nothing. I don't think anything is going to ever uh, really compete with the fall MJ BizCon event in terms of the, uh, terms of its uh, weight on the, on the P and L statement. That said, we do have an event that we've been doing for a few years in the spring. Um, this is going to be our fourth year and we're actually reorienting it a little bit this year. It's going to go to New Orleans. It's been moving around a little bit, but we are anchoring that show here forward in New Orleans and rebranding it as MJ BizCon Next. 
first, mm -hmm. uh, which is going to focus on the new, the emerging, the um, the upcoming activities in the in the cannabis space. So if this big fall event is equivalent to a CES type experience, then that spring event becomes more of a South by Southwest type experience. Mm -hmm. Got it. Um, and then next summer, we're actually taking MJ BizCon into Canada. Um, we'll be there in August in Toronto and uh, are very excited to uh, put some um, additional structure around help the, that Canadian marketplace, which is now, of course, not just for and about Canada, but for and about the global cannabis marketplace with Canada as that hub. Yeah, that's where we're that's we, we absolutely see that as a both an opportunity for our business, as well as a need for the marketplace. Well, that's a pretty awesome transition because you're in the uh, the business of journalism. I want to get your thoughts on on just a couple pieces of news recently. Uh, you brought up Canada, um, so I want to know what your thoughts are on Constellation uh, and Canopy and the massive big bet that alcohol just put into Canada uh, cannabis. What what do you think of that? I am not surprised that I, I am surprised that it's happening now. I. I would have given it another six or so months before somebody really leapt, but good on Constellation for for putting their fears behind them and, and making that leap. This is going to be what the next few years looks like. Hmm. That's my thought about it. Yeah, my first thought was the U.S. is really missing out here. Oh, man, Brandon, you are yeah. telling me. I mean, you know, the, the consumers don't miss out. Obviously, uh, Constellation doesn't care if they make an investment in the U.S. or in Canada. The U.S. government is the one losing out on this, right? I mean, uh, they have to see that. They have I, to see that. At some point, they're, th this is, here's my feeling about this. This question has been decided. It's kind of all over but the shouting. And how long that shouting goes on, is up to the elected officials. We as citizens have a voice in that, thankfully, every so often. And, you know, we need to be working that way and, and making sure that we exercise that voice effectively uh, because we are missing out. And the U.S. government, the, 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 it's almost a reputational thing now that the United States is, is falling so far behind this cannabis question mm. when we were leading it for so many years. So many years. And culturally, we still seem to be a leader. I mean, uh, the Bay Area sees itself as like the origins of cannabis in the world. And whether you want to make that argument or not, certainly, you know, California and cannabis um, go to go together in people's minds. And yet we're we're slipping. Um, and that's I think that's alarming as a as a nation. And I don't know how much that has to do with the current administration or our Puritan background or lobbying of alcohol and tobacco companies. But they're missing out. That's for sure. I would say it's probably a combination of all of those things um, with maybe a little bit of de-emphasis on the Puritan background piece of uh -huh. it. And the reason I say that is I grew up in that Puritan type environment. I am a Southern girl from Alabama and I grew up in a small little Alabama town where it was a fishbowl. Um, and my dad was a, was a fairly noted physician in that town. So, you know, I, I didn't get away with anything. I promise you that. Um, and see, I grew up in the middle of the just say no generation and believing all that mm -hmm. stuff again from a medical family, you know, I all about how marijuana is going to fry my brain, uh, like just like those eggs on TV, right? That was the world I grew up in. And one of the things that got me there was when I realized how many people I knew who had a cannabis story, who mm -hmm. had 
either used it themselves or had, you know, knew somebody with a, who had a friend with a sick child or had, um, knew a, another, you know, had their uncle who was suffering from cancer and had his final days significantly eased by cannabis. And like, if this many people are using cannabis, this is not any, some sort of gateway drug. This is not like some evil weed thing. It's, this is ridiculous and we all need to get over this. And there are a lot of people who are having that same realization each and every day. Yep. I mean, this is life um, and it's here and uh, everybody needs to get used to it. But, you know, whether you like it or not. Right. Uh, that, you don't have to here. use it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you don't like scary movies. Don't watch scary don't movies, watch you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so another uh, piece of news that much less known, but no less important. Uh, last week, I had Pamela Johnston, uh, formerly of uh, Electrum Partners, the big cannabis consulting firm um, on the show. That episode came out yesterday. Um you know, from the surface, it seems like really a terrible occurrence. And that Electrum, uh, I won't mince words, sounds like they really fucked her over. Um, but I haven't heard the other side. There's been no statement about Electrum. We reached out to Leslie. He's not interested uh, in talking to us about it. No surprise. Um, kind of what's your take on it? And, you know, I'm sure you know Pamela a little bit. I know I knew Pamela a little bit before, but I, kind of what's your thoughts on on what's happening to her there? Well, um, as to the specifics of her case and and all of that sort of thing, I'm I'm like you. You know, I've heard a lot of one side of the story. I have heard very little, if anything, on the other side of the story. And I know that there is probably a lot in the middle, but between mm. those two stories. Um, that said, there is certainly no question that the um I, I don't I'm not sure I want to use the word rights. There's certainly no question that the um prominence of female business professionals in the cannabis industry is here, is going to remain and is going to remain a very hot topic of conversation. It's going to be talked about a lot at MJ BizCon. I I have had all kinds of indications about that. And not just on the female front, but on the diversity front too, minorities and, and that sort of thing. And it's an incredibly important conversation for this industry to have while we are all together. Mm. Um, this These issues are, are ones that have been long simmering across not just general American business, but worldwide. And it's high time, pardon the pun, that that we got past them. Um, there are so many amazing entrepreneurs that are both female and minority in this industry. And it's insane to me how how little traction some of them are getting. It's just, it's not, not only is it not fair, but it's stupid for investors who are looking to make plays in this industry to automatically have on those blinders for that white male, you know, great idea of young, uh, some young gun and not looking deeper and finding those really great ideas that are led by really great people. And what do you think changes that? How do you wake people up to that? As much as I want that to be a, a social justice and fairness answer, that's not what's actually going to do that because we've been trying to make that social justice and fairness answer for a long time and it's really not moved the needle significantly. What I think is eventually going to do it, it's going to come down to the money. And I can think of really good reasons why money-driven, why people should be paying attention to it. Number one is that the, the, the cannabis consumer 
is a lot of cannabis consumers are female. They are making the buying decisions for their households. They are making the buying decisions more and more for businesses. And if you don't have that female perspective sitting at your board table and listening to that individual tell you, this is how the audience and our customers are thinking, then you're going to miss out on that. Number two is I, I even have a son as well. I am just as invested in his future as I am in my daughter's future. It is inconceivable that my 10 year old is going to make it through his career without having a boss or a partner or a colleague who looks and acts a lot like I do. And if he is not prepared for that eventuality, he is going to be at an event at a disadvantage. And then the third one is, you know, simply what I was just referring to earlier. There are so many good ideas out there that don't have all the competition for those investment dollars. And so you can get good value for your money, not stealing the company away from somebody by any means, but you can certainly find a better deal than you can competing in the same space that everybody else is in. Got it. Really important stuff and 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 well said. Um, how does that relate directly back to the conference? I, I've planned content for concerts, conferences we both, both Elevate a year ago as well as the Launch Festival, which I was a part of uh, prior to that. And it's really hard. Um, people are dying to have more minority and woman representation on stage and not in a cliche woman's panel sort of way. Um, but when you look at you know, doing the programming, how do you make sure that they are, that everybody is well represented? Because I can remember many times where I sort of was balancing between, well, is this the best company? Is this the best speaker? Or am I sort of reaching so that I can fill that quota for lack of a better word, I suppose? Yeah. Um, my answer to that is we just simply keep it very top of mind and we go out and we look for the right people. They are out there there are plenty of minority professionals. There are plenty of female professionals in this industry. They are out there and they know their stuff. Um, they're not putting their hands up because they're too busy sitting, you know, back in their offices getting their work done. So they're not necessarily being loud. They're not necessarily advocating for themselves because they've got other things that they need to be doing. So we go find them. And that is part of what the job of the conference programming team is is to specifically make sure that we have good representation from across the industry, not just in terms of what it looks like, but in terms of the sectors that are represented, whether that's dispensary versus extraction versus cultivation and parts of the country and parts of the world. Um, we, we, that is absolutely part of their mission when they program an MJ BizCon event. Awesome answer. They're out there. Go find them. Work, yeah. work, work harder. Roll yeah. up your sleeves. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's a, that's a great answer. Okay, one last question here. Let's say I'm sitting at home and I'm listening to this show and I'm interested in the cannabis industry or I'm thinking about starting a company, a entrepreneur, that kind of thing. Uh, why should I buy a ticket to MJ BizCon and come out to Vegas? You know, for for a beginner, what what can they expect? Why why would they want to be there? If you have even a shred of doubt as to how dynamic and advanced this industry is. MJ BizCon will cure you of that doubt. Uh, that is why you should come. If you are, if you have any sense that you might want to get involved in this industry, 
There is no better place to get your arms around it and understand everything that it is and everything that it isn't. It is not, there are, while there are plenty of cannabis enthusiasts who are also professionals in this marketplace, MJ BizCon is about the business side of this event, of this industry. And, and you will get a very good sense of everything that it can become the instant you walk in that door. Um, and if you're a little intimidated by the thought of joining, you know, 15,000 plus people in Las Vegas, sign up for the crash course. It is a one day quick hit as to this is the structure and outline of the industry. It gets you over your newbiness and, and helps you meet a few people and sends you out into the rest of the three-day conference with a good foundation as to you know, what you need to be doing and where you need to be looking to advance your own business goals. Awesome answer that you've thought about this uh, from a beginner's perspective and like how to get your feet wet. If you do want to go to the conference, Cassandra and MJ Biz have been nice enough to give us a uh, sponsor code here, or I guess coupon code, however you say that, referral code. Discount code. Discount code. Thank you. That's the yeah. word I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, investing in cannabis 50, investing in cannabis five zero discount code will get you $50 off uh, a ticket to the conference. Well worth the money. I'm really excited to be out there. There's no really better vibe. It's kind of cool. Everybody is in uh, kind of neutral territory in Vegas. Also, Nevada has come online uh, with recreational sales, which will also be a really interesting addition to there. Uh, there's some great deals on hotel packages and stuff. I got an awesome deal at the Bellagio, which was I was I was surprised about too the the deals there. Um, Cassandra, it's been great having you on here. You're really good at this radio stuff, this podcasting stuff. Do you do any audio? Do you ever think about MJ Biz doing more content like that? Oh, we totally have thought about that, and I would love to get in there. It's one of the you know many ideas that is right here on my whiteboard. In fact, you know, and that's that's kind of the fun and challenge of being in the cannabis industry, Brandon. I know that you might experience the same thing, where. I feel like we have a great idea every single week of the year. And if only we had the bandwidth to pursue them all. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely, I can, I can uh, identify with that. I think personally, like I'm more of an auditory learner. Um, and I guess that's why I do a podcast. I like to learn from the people that I'm interviewing for. And so obviously I read the news on the internet every day, but that's not my favorite sort of vehicle uh, for learning and for news. And um, I'm sure there's a lot of others out there like that, certainly the audience of this show. So cool that you guys have that in the works. I may have some more ideas for you uh, offline about that too. But awesome. uh, Cassandra, it's been awesome. Thanks for being here again. Go buy a ticket to MJ BizCon. Uh, it's coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, what day does it start? November? It's November. Uh, so the crash course and the pre-con is on November 14th. The full conference opens November 15th through the 17th, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Awesome. And coupon code investing in cannabis 50, investing in cannabis 50 uh, for $50 off. Cassandra, I'll see you in Vegas. Thanks for being here. Looking forward to it. Thanks.